What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. It is the future. Mysteriously spreading across an unsuspecting city. Machines trained to serve humans are turning against them. What do you got, Jerry? Model 912. Cut up two people inside the house. I'm going in. Hmm. You're going in. We can send a disarm robot in. It'll hit the floater. It'll hit the disarm. And any minute, it's going to decide to hit the kid. An ingenious conspiracy has begun. And someone has to stop the madman who started it all. We've got a non-standard chip here. can turn any domestic computer into a killing machine. Working late at night all by yourself. I just had a few things to finish up. No, no big I deal. Insist. Let me help you. No. Bugs detected. A lot of bugs, Jackie. I thought I was queen. Luther really wants to keep track of you. Why's that, Jackie? This is a bad guy. He's killed five so far. I want him. I'm telling you, I can't go out there. I can't go out. your name on it? This isn't a runaway. This is murder. We're never going to make it through this one. Runaway. Tom Selleck. Cynthia Rhodes. Gene Simmons. Runaway. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Naming Network, and to find more from us, check out the website at themainnaming.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Main Naming. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio, and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Meyer. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hello. No bit this week, and I think I finally have an angel baby moment. I need to talk about how Gene Simmons runs okay. because he was yeah. running like you would imagine somebody in like a like a, a spy cartoon would run. Hunched shoulders, looked like he was <laughs> on his tippy toes. <laughs> he he looked like he was trying to hold in a massive shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sad to say that I didn't notice his running in this movie. Yeah, I mean he only does it the one time. One time. I, it's at the dinner scene. He jumps into like a pond or um, a water fountain. And though he's kind of running like, oh, you know, uh, it's very cartoonishly evil. <laughs> he's got the demon smile on it. At any point in this movie, I just felt like Gene Simmons would just pop into the picture with the, the demon Q 
kiss makeup. <laughs> the one thing I noticed from that scene was that the stuntman, when he jumps off, he just goes face first into the water. <laughs> like, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it was a very professional jump. No, <laughs> we got to at one point we should try to make a list of just like maybe a top 10 stunt fails. <laughs> like one of them would, would be the uh, the garbage day scene. Yeah, this would be a good one. We got to just comb through the uh, the old backlog. I'm sure we talk about a few of them. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into fully into this movie, what do you guys watch this week? So finishing up Halloween, Jen and I kind of just watched the classics. We watched Adam's Family. We watched The Thing, Nightmare Before Christmas. Cue the Winged Serpent is not a classic, but we watched that. It's wild. We were saying off the air that the protagonist is a huge piece of shit, but you just want him to win for some reason. I don't know why. He's just a huge jerk, but it's awesome. Uh, watched the original Witches with Angelica Houston, and then we just watched like a bunch of Treehouse of Horrors. Caught up on that, just did like a whole marathon of it. And it's funny because if you know me, if anyone knows me, obviously I'm a big Simpsons fan. And Jen remarked, I think I was watching The Devil and Homer Simpson. So when when he goes to hell and he's eating all the donuts and he's like, oh, I don't get it. It drove Jane Coco mad in 15 minutes. Like it just, I, I lost it. And he was like, I'm, how many times have you seen this? You know, probably a hundred times. And it still, it still cracks me up. I don't know why. <laughs> Mark, what yeah. about you? I... Basically just watched one movie, which um, I watched The Thing, Dan, at his Halloween party. So it was the uh, first time in a while that I've watched it all the way through from beginning to end. So it was really interesting tying into, as I was explaining to Dan, there's a video game podcast that is doing a deep dive into all aspects of The Thing. You know, the original story, the original 1951 movie, all the stuff after this movie. So it was interesting to watch that and now be able to listen to the po- their podcast about that movie. Fresher eyes than I had. It's still great. I was laughing every time Dan was being sarcastic with, with the guests when they were going, does this happen? Does this-? No, they nothing like that happens at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, one of the guests asked if the dog dies, the, the dog from the beginning. Like, oh, the, the dog doesn't die, does it? Said, no, doesn't die. And then, of course, you know, it, it becomes, it's actually yeah. the thing. And she goes, oh, you know, technically you weren't wrong because that's not the dog. I'm like, oh, you see, we're we're simpatico right now. <laughs> I didn't lie. Yeah, so I watched that, and then Dan had some of the Treehouse of Horror episodes on in the background early on in the party. So got to watch the uh, one where Mr. Burns is a vampire. Oh, um, one of my so favorite lines. That, that one. It isn't little that was real good. Boy. <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> Yeah, I remembered bits and pieces of that because, you know, it was around that age when you guys got really into it that I was also watching it a lot. Um, I just sort of fell off of it a lot earlier than you did. So remembering a lot of those early Treehouse of Horrors was fun. But yeah, that's about it. You know, just glad that I at least got one non-they-called-us-a-movie Halloween movie in before the end of the month. Sure. Yeah, so I kind of fell off by 31 Days of Horror. A lot of personal things going on in my life this past week. All good things, but just kind of keeping me busy. So while I hadn't necessarily gotten a chance to write a whole bunch of reviews, I did, you know, continue watching movies, but I was relying on movies that I had seen. For Halloween, we wound up watching Trick or Treat. We watched Adam's Family Values, and then I ended Halloween by watching the WNUF Halloween special, or most of it. I kind of turned it off. uh, It was about like one o'clock in the morning, so just kind of turned it off before 
before Frank disappears, quote unquote. Besides that, watch Child's Play 2 for the first time, as well as the original Halloween I watched, you know, standard. every Once every Halloween I watched that at least once. And a bunch of other movies that we don't really need to get into because we didn't write reviews for them. So unfortunately, didn't get to 31 this year. It was a lot easier when I was commuting an hour and a half both ways because uh, it would be watched a movie coming up and wrote the review if you were coming back. So I had all kinds of time to do that. Not that I don't have time here, but it's plenty of other distractions and things I could and need to do. But it was a successful 31 Days of Horror. I was watching old Treehouse of Horrors episodes throughout the month. Every time I'd go right before I went to bed, I usually put one on. Uh, That's great. But now we're in November, and I guess this is Movember. We're uh, kind of going back as we did last last year. It wasn't planned. Uh, There was no mandate that we had to pick mustache movies. But... Mm. Mark, why don't you introduce this week's yeah. movie? I had completely forgot because I had gotten used during October to not be involved in the picking process that my choice was up. So I immediately went on Prime, searched through things, found a couple movies I was lukewarm about. And then I ran in to our choice this week, which is the 1984 Tom Selleck led movie Runaway. I just saw the premise was about like future technology in the early to mid 80s so it was it's always fun to watch those movies and see what they got right and got wrong it has tom Selleck, which unexpectedly led to a movember tie-in and also there was a line from letterbox that just said gene simmons and robot spiders and that was it and i'm like all right this movie has definite potential for this podcast and i was full speed ahead and then as we got closer to you know recording this I had let one of my coworkers know who's really into movies that we were watching this. And he mentioned that it was apparently one of those staple movies at local video stores that they would put on the TVs to just play every so often. And he said people would just come in and rent it based off just seeing a few scenes on the TV in there. So I I got more and more excited before watching it, listening to that going, all right, there's got to be something here. And I was glad I picked it because... There were parts that I laughed out loud at that you probably didn't weren't supposed to, but that's future technology movies in the 80s. Okay, great. Dan, where were you coming from, and what did you think of this movie? I thought it was a completely different movie. I was very confused. I couldn't find it because in the group chat, we were discussing what Mark was going to pick, and he said Swerve, and I was half paying attention, as I always do. So I, <laughs> I thought the movie's name was Swerve, and I wrote it again in the chat. I don't know if anyone corrected me, Maybe Mark did. I couldn't find it. I was <laughs> trying to look for the IMDb. And I'm like, Swerve, there's nothing here from 1984 called Swerve. So then Mark told me yesterday, oh, no, it's called Runaway. Like, there's a part in the movie where they say, oh, we got a runaway. So that's why. I'm like, oh, well, okay, that's why I can't find it. <laughs> so I had never seen it before. I obviously never heard of it. And it has Tom Selleck. So you really, that's the selling point for me. I'm, I do like me some Tom Selleck. But I could see why he really made his home on television and not movies, because I feel like if you get too much of Tom Selleck, he's kind of a one note guy for the most part. And his strength is not movies. I'll, I'll just say that the mustache alone does not give him the weight to carry an hour and 40 minute movie. But it was a lot of fun. It's very silly. Gene Simmons is in it and he's awful the music isn't good that he does his acting isn't very good so you know what you're kind of getting into when you put him in a movie and especially as the bad guy because you know he's going to chew up the scenery which he does and there's a couple things that stand out in this movie but one 
is the very, very end of the movie. And it, it shocked me at the end. I, I'll bring it up later. But yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with it. Okay. Yeah, I enjoyed this movie. The only thing I knew about this coming in was uh, Tom Selleck and spider robots. I thought they were going to be giant spider robots. I was a little surprised that they were like these kind of about the size of Roombas kind of robots. <laughs> I was expecting Wild Wild West. Maybe not that big, but still pretty big. That's all I really knew about it. And it was fun. It was oddly modern in terms of the technologies that they predicted was more or less they were kind of right on it i kind of had a list they had they had roombas basically they had let me see roombas ipads ring video doorbells and airpods all things that they kind of had of some 1984 version via 1991 as this movie was supposed to take place in yeah i had a good time with it it was silly gene simmons really chews scenery as all hell on this I got no complaints with this one. I had a fun time with it. The one thing that I thought was going to happen was the robots in this movie are more, you know, they're they're like easy bake oven looking for the most part and not iRobot kind of robots. What I thought it was going to be like androids, I guess. The the designs are pretty cool for the time. I just I wasn't expecting the robots to be like the battle mechs that you see on what was it like Spike TV. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah, where a bunch of nerds would get together and they would just build a a robot with a saw and the other one had a drill and they would just go at it. Did Joe Rogan used to do that? Used to host that? That sounds like something Joe Rogan would probably get into, right? (laughs) But then he would like make fun of the nerds on the on the side. Like, oh, these fucking geeks. Yeah. No one wants to do anything with them. So they just build robots all day. They should take some DMT. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I I feel as if that that could be something that he kind of got into, right? Like early on, he was doing the uh, Fear Factor. I feel like he would have done like the Dodgeball. Remember when Dodgeball was big for like yeah. a month? Yeah. I feel like he did something like that. <laughs> he's he's very well versed. He's a Renaissance man. <laughs> right. I feel like jumping off the point with Dan said about Tom Selleck in this movie is that. You could, if you want to, you could make some kind of fanfic connection that this was the origin story of his character from Blue Bloods. And oh, it's, that's he, awesome. He's he's very much like that character in terms of his delivery at times. Yeah, you can see why his acting style lends more to a telling a story over a long period of time instead of getting you to buy in really quickly. My thoughts on this movie is that it was a ton of fun. It was everything I wanted in terms of, you know, movies with that are supposed to be in the future, made during this time period. I enjoyed the beauty shots of circuits and motherboards in the very opening of the movie. <laughs> it was very, comparing it to when we watched The Thing with that computer technology, the the shots of things that mean absolutely nothing in the movie, but just look cool. So mm-hmm. you just put them on screen like, oh man, look, we got this 3D model of this agriculture robot. You know, let's just put it on screen. It, has, it doesn't show us how to do anything about it. This is what future computer people would be doing with their time. And I love that he also went to night school for robotics is essentially <laughs> how he got the job. It seemed as if the, the runaway program or the runaway cop, it's almost like the pet detectives of the future, right? Everyone just kind of makes fun of them, it seemed like. It's sort of Blade Runner. So basically the, the standard right. premise of Runaway is that Tom Selleck is a police officer in the runaway robot unit of the police. So he gets calls for about malfunctioning robots and he goes and answers those calls and disables them or kind of resets them in order to 
make them work properly. The main crux of the story is that Gene Simmons is some sort of scientist that is basically dealing in arms and malfunctioning these robots and selling the templates to weaponize everyday household objects, more or less. So he starts fighting with the the police, the runaway department, and that's basically the story. Tom Selleck is hunting Gene Simmons. And I don't know how much of a thing this was in 1984. Maybe it was. This would be around the time it would happen. It was like also a slight commentary on automation, like Mm -hmm. robots doing jobs for people. Uh, There's a scene in the construction job. She's like, oh, man, you know, you should see the other job where it's 100% robots. You know, no lunch breaks, and no, no weekends. They can just go and do the work all day. But I'm assuming that wasn't by accident by Michael Creighton in this, putting that in there, because 84 would have been around the time the automobile industry was kind of going that route. So it was very interesting to see how much of that they almost got right, but just didn't fully get there, obviously. But it's always interesting to find those little, little tiny things that, Maybe the director or writer didn't know they put in there, but got slipped in there anyway. You know what I thought was fun with this movie? It's the future with robots, but it still has the cop tropes, the cop mm-hmm. movie tropes, yeah. where the lead is single or you know divorced or whatever. He has the kid. The chief is always up his ass. Don't you think you've done enough damage around here? Yeah. Well, like, I'm going to have your badge for this. And <laughs> they have the loose cannon conversation, yep. Yeah, they have the loose cannon conversation. They have that. They have the single father. And then it's like one of those things where he's kind of like, one of them is off the case, but they keep coming back anyway. So some of the tropes are still there. I love that they, it's in the future, but we have to stick to what we know, like what's comfortable. Sure. Yeah. I like how they didn't go too far with with the futuristic aspect. And it's only supposed to be like seven years in the future, because I think you get a glimpse of his his birth date and it's like 1956 so the math would work out that it'd be like seven years in the future so i like that it's like still shitty 80s cars that are just now yeah. self-driving right <laughs> and the the self-driving is just a mannequin yeah. right? <laughs> it's literally a mannequin just sitting in the you never see the mannequin driving at least in like total recall with the self-driving cars it had the animatronic in it like, yeah. hey, where are you going, Mac? But this is just a, a white mannequin, no features, nothing, just dressed in a cop uniform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Runaway from 1984, directed by Michael Crichton, novelist most famous for writing Jurassic Park, as well as the novels Sphere, Disclosure, Andromeda Strain, and Congo. He also wrote Twister, which we've covered, and he directed the 1973 original film Westworld. It stars Tom Selleck, Cynthia Rhodes, Gene Simmons, Kirstie Alley, Stan Shaw, G.W. Bailey, Joey Kramer, Chris Mulkey, Anne-Marie Martin, who also co-wrote Twister with him. They were husband and wife at the time. And Cease Verrill, who we covered in Hell Comes to Frogtown. A little a couple of returners here. Yeah. A little thing about Cynthia Rhodes. I found her career very interesting. She was an actress and dancer, and she appeared in Flashdance, Staying Alive, Dirty Dancing, Runaway. She appeared in the music videos for Toto's Rosanna, as she was the stand-in for Rosanna Arquette in that video, the Bee Gees' The Woman and You, and Richard Marx's Don't Mean Nothing. She then replaced the lead singer of Animotion for the band's third album, eventually married Richard Marx, and retired to raise three kids at the end of the 80s. 
Been married for 25 years and divorced in 2014. So I thought it was interesting that she was a very accomplished actress and dancer. And then all of a sudden she gave it all up to become a, a stay-at-home mom, essentially. She pulled a Rick Moranis. She did. Yeah. And then Richard Marks dumped her ass. I don't know. I don't know the details of their <laughs> divorce. But they did, yeah, they did let's not. From... <laughs> you know, maybe she was at fault, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm assuming no. A divorce is usually a two-way street. Yes. They do mention Thompson, her character, mentions that she wanted to be a dancer yeah. before she, she joined like the force. Dancer. Yeah. Yeah, she, so, was, she was the other dance instructor in Dirty Dancing. There's a scene where her and Patrick Swayze have a, a dance during some sort of party or uh, event at the camp. I'm not really well-versed in my Dirty Dancing, but I did watch a clip of it because I got into a semi- small Cynthia Rhodes rabbit hole while I was researching this movie. Because yeah, it, her career uh, was so short, but she was like, she was doing a whole bunch of shit there in the 80s. Yeah, she stopped in 91, it looks like. Yeah. This has an IMDb score of 5.9 and a Rotten Tomato score of 47%. Budget of $1.2 million and box office 6.8. So it made a small profit, but it wasn't anything to write home about. One of my favorite parts of this movie is the gun, the comically large gun that Gene Simmons <laughs> carries the entire movie. You couldn't smuggle that anywhere. That thing, <laughs> he he has like, it's like a Nerf gun. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like a giant Nerf gun. And he's wearing a suit. He's not, like maybe if you were wearing a trench coat, you could conceal it. But he's wearing just a, a regular suit. And he somehow he has this monstrous gun. <laughs> it's almost like the Joker's gun from Batman in 1989. Right. He just pulls it out of his pants. I think it's so big. You guys want to get into a plot? Sure. sure. All right. Then what you got for us? All right. So as I have been saying for you know, the longest time now, if you've been listening, you know about our friend Tia and her podcast, Top 10 with Tia. It's a weekly podcast where... Tia and her friends get together and they review lists. So one of their past lists was top 10, I think it was horror soundtracks or horror songs. So that's a good one if you were, uh, if you're missing Halloween already, go check that out. But Tia is a good friend of the podcast. She's a good person overall. You could follow her on Twitter at TC underscore Stark. Just search on iTunes. You should, that should pop up uh, top 10 with Tia and go check her out. Okay, great. And we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, we're going to take a couple of minutes to listen to some friends of the podcast. So we will be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoGuroParleyHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and Parlay Points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you could tell him about the time I kicked your ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. 
Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back, and now it's time to get into the plot for Runaway. We open on the comforting image of the TriStar logo. I don't know about you guys, but I missed this. The Pegasus running. The Pegasus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was not expecting yeah. that. I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, it made me feel very good about seeing that. And then we have credits over some macro shots of vaguely high-tech computer screens and the glorious mustache of Tom Selleck looking over said computer screens. Yeah. We also get a close-up of his badge, letting us know immediately that he is a cop and thus also a bastard. Yeah, and <laughs> I do enjoy how they went back and forth between real shots of motherboards and circuitry to drawings to 80s computer screens. And just, it's like one of those things, like I had said earlier, that John Carpenter had mentioned in the thing where they probably just threw it in there. Like we just, this has no connection to anything. This just looks good. Let's just throw it in there. I'm sure computer experts could break it down and go, well, that's all for different kinds of computers and nothing like what they're talking about in this movie. Uh, I wonder if he's actually ever looked at a computer that in depth in his life. Probably Probably not. He's too handsome to need to, right? Right. Yeah. That's again, that's for nerds. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a nerd. Yeah, this is probably the most he's ever looked at a motherboard yeah. is in this movie. <laughs> they probably told him, just look interested. He's like, I don't know what any of this is. I will never have to know what any of this is. If I ever have a problem, I'll just call someone else to help me. That's <laughs> what I have Higgins for. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the boomer lifestyle. That's right. Let the younger people figure it out. Yeah. So Selleck plays Jack Ramsey and Jack gets a phone call and is then introduced to his new partner, Karen Thompson, played by Cynthia Rhodes. We have a Karen here who is also a bastard. Yes. We also meet his police chief, played by G.W. Bailey, who most know better as Captain Harris from the Police Academy movies. Yeah. Ramsey and Thompson go out to answer an emergency call via helicopter. We learn that Ramsey deals in runaway robots. They're basically responsible for fixing glitches. This one, for example, is an agricultural model that seems to have gone off course while tilling a field. So we'll learn here that Jack Ramsey is afraid of heights. So they land, and just outside a cornfield. As Ramsey tries to talk to the farmers, Thompson goes into the cornfield after the robot. Just pure Leroy Jenkins it. Yep. I think the scenes of the robots picking the caterpillars off the leaf and putting it into the grinder was completely unnecessary. Didn't need it. It added nothing to the scene. It's never (laughs) talked about again. (laughs) Just got to show it for some reason. Just doing its job. I guess you just show that it's moving and then have it go buck wild. And I like the completely unapologetic sexism from the agriculture workers standing outside (laughs) waiting. Uh, are you going to let her go do that? No, yeah. I wouldn't do that if I was you. <laughs> so she runs into the cornfield and she catches it and holds it up overhead in victory. But then it shorts out and she drops it and it runs away. Yay. Then... <laughs> that's the that's what she actually says. Yay. <laughs> that's the line read. That's what they went with. It wasn't, hey, I got it. Or, all right, I what's going on here? Just, yay. <laughs> like a two-year-old. <laughs> Could have been worse than Yahoo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeehaw! (laughs) So then the Jack Ramsey goes to help her out. So if you've ever wanted to see Magnum P.I. chase Wally through some corn, this is the movie for you. (laughs) Eventually they jump on the robot and it explodes in a more or less harmless explosion as they bring the disabled robot back to the farmers. This was the scene that I thought they kind of made the uh, the runaway division look like nobody's. 
Because right, you have a couple of hayseeds heckling them. Like, oh, this isn't that what you get paid for? Like, oh, I could have done that. It's like, all right, well, I guess these guys are a joke. So they're they're not real cops. But apparently that's not the case. They get called into a lot of things. Yeah. And they also kind of try and solve things on their own. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is homicide, Ramsey. You let, you know, homicide division handle that. But I'm not on my watch, chief. <laughs> As they're done, as they're walking back to the helicopter, Jack tells Thompson that he used to be a regular cop, but his vertigo kept him from progressing, and he found he had a knack for robot detail, and no one else really wanted to do it. They hop back into the helicopter, and Ramsey makes a call to Lois, which sounds like his wife, based on the conversation. Back at the precinct, Thompson asks another cop, Marvin, why Jack quit the regular force. Marvin tells her that Jack once chased a criminal into a construction site, and he couldn't follow him because of his vertigo, and then that guy got away and later killed a bunch of people. So after that, Jack didn't want anyone to get away from him. So he moves on to the runaway robot division. I love this conversation because just Thompson's reaction to every statement. It's like, oh, yeah, the person got, oh, so one got away. What's the big deal? <laughs> right. You know, we can take it off. And then the line read from going, yeah, then that person killed six people. <laughs> it, it felt like it felt like a Twitter thread. The way it, was that... like, it was like the scene in the Treehouse of Horror where Homer buys the doll. <laughs> yeah. Like, beware, because the doll is cursed. Oh, that's bad. But it comes with a free Frogurt. Well, that's good. It's just the, the, the way that it was read, it was like, yeah, it was very like, your line, my line. Now you react, and I tell you something else. <laughs> tell you something worse. Right. It, and she's like, oh, you know, it's it's one person. Like, But yeah, that, that person went on to kill six people. Well, that's not his fault. No, that that is his fault. That is 100% his fault. It's the only time in any cop movie in history where it is the cop's fault. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Thompson then tries to tell Marvin her story once being a dancer, and then they get a call that says there's been a murder, so she heads off with Jack. They get to the crime scene, and a robot has killed two people and is still inside with a child in a crib. It's a domestic robot that is used to cook and clean. So the cops send in a floater, basically a drone camera used to find where the infinite is in the house. So we got drones in this movie as well. They watch the feed and then three gunshots ring out. So the robot now has a gun. (laughs) (laughs) It should have just been like, stay back, I have a gun. (laughs) Jack goes to the father and asks him if he had made any modifications to the robot. Father says no. Jack asks about the gun and the dad has a freak out over the cameras and says he really is crazy and runs out of the scene. Exit stage right. So Jack decides that he's going in, so he straps on an electromagnetic suit as a guy that looks an awful lot like Gene Simmons watches sinisterly in the crowd. The news team sends in a cameraman with Jack and is immediately gunned down by the gun-carrying Roomba. I might be the only one in this group or people that watch this that were completely pissed off of how the journalists acted in this movie. Like, for some reason, there's that trope about that they have no regard for their own safety. You know, they just need to get the story. The public needs to know, man. Tom Selleck goes in in this giant bulletproof vest and electromagnetic neck suit, and this guy walks in with a camera and a light going, I got it. Right. <laughs> I'll be right behind you. Yeah. On your I like, yeah, I feel you would think that they have they would have a union for the cameraman. Yeah. Also, why is he wearing an electromagnetic suit? It has a gun. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I'm going to shoot him in the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I just don't get it. If it were able to, I don't know, emit an electromagnetic pulse, then yeah. sure, yeah, I guess that helps. But again, you're a human. You don't really run on that sort of thing. I, I don't know. But yeah, it has a gun. It's not going <laughs> to... Yeah, there's probably know. some mumbo-jumbo like that we... Right, it, right. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to just pulse you to death. 
<laughs> it's gonna yeah. shoot you in the face. <laughs> yeah, there's probably some mumbo jumbo about that it couldn't track him with on or some dumb thing that we just missed a line right. read. I mean, essentially, he's wearing chainmail anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. He, he just put on a medieval suit of chainmail. <laughs> oh, this will help. Yeah. <laughs> he makes it to the back of the house and narrowly avoids two gunshots from the robot. He ducks into a bedroom and then manages to zap the robot with a laser and the robot disarms. So Jack takes the baby out of the house to the applause of the crowd. So later, Jack brings Thompson home and we meet Jack's son, Bobby, who watched the whole thing on television. We also meet Lois, a Series 12 robot that is basically Bobby's nanny, and we find out that Jack's wife had died, and then Lois and Jack invite Karen to stay for dinner, but she says she has to be getting back home, and she leaves. So then Jack tucks Bobby in, and he catches him watching YouTube on an iPad, and then Bobby asks him <laughs> if he's going to date Karen, and then we have a little father-son moment there, and that's about it. Yeah, it's fun how this kid is more excited than concerned about his father almost getting murdered by a robot. He was like, yeah, you're a I, hero, Dad. Yeah. Why didn't you yeah, go then, in there? You should have gone in there. <laughs> All right. And then, and then he's more interested in whether or not his dad's gonna get laid. Right. <laughs> Dad, come on, man. It's been it's been years since mom died. You gotta get it in. It's like I know what I'm talking about. I have this I have this this iPad that I watch Pornhub on all the time. <laughs> oh, by the way, Pornhub, it's going to be huge in a in a couple decades. Get in <laughs> on it now. So back at the precinct, Marvin opens up the robot and notices the chip in it was not standard. And then self-destructs and nearly blows all three of them up, but they all survive. Marvin says that this wasn't a malfunction. This was murder. Dun dun dun. I like there there the... should have been a, a zoom in on his face when he said that. Yeah, I like how the chip is very obviously not one of the other chips. Like it's a completely different color with a red line on it. That's what he said. It's got a red, it's red tag on it. Yeah, he's like, he knows. oh, this is obviously not here. I'm like, no shit. And, you know, it, it's it's marked for some reason. It legit like, should have just said doesn't belong here. Yeah, and then you know it seems like they've run into that stuff before because they had a name and a word for it or whatever um, right before it exploded. It looked like people that really had no idea how computer boards and all worked, and they told the set designer or whatever to props people, make a chip that doesn't look right. And to be fair, mm -hmm. I have no idea how any of that stuff works, so yeah, yeah. I would I would think that if you wanted it to stand out, you would give it a yeah. certain a certain look, right? Yeah. But th yeah, that's this, just me. This is 1984 too, so even less people knew about how computers worked that's 36 true. years computers ago. Computers were scary and and new. Yeah. Yeah. We had Zork, and that was basically it. <laughs> that that was everything you needed. Well, what is um? I mean, you had Star Wars at that point, but not you didn't really delve into computers. No. In Star Wars, it was all androids. No, it was, but you basically had Michael Crichton telling you how this shit worked. Basically, <laughs> 1984. And he was just kind of winging it. <laughs> this well, is what maybe. it was like a Cliff Notes version. Is is this yeah. where we find out that all of our future technology is based off people that watched Runaway in 1984? I, I mean, look, I went through the list. We had Roombas, drones, AirPods, iPads. I, he got a lot more right than he got wrong. Maybe not, not even not for 1991, but he, he did a pretty good job with this movie. Yeah, Still waiting on those spiders. homing missiles, those yeah. personalized homing missiles. Well, I mean, the Obama administration used those a lot. <laughs> That's true. But And they also had, you know, like Siri, essentially, right? The nanny is yeah. like Siri. Like yep. setting the temperature, answering the phone. That's yep. sort of Siri-ish. Yeah, smart uh, house. Or, yeah, smart house, exactly. 
So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's crazy how fiction really imitates real life or real life imitates fiction. Self-driving cars, as we mentioned. Yeah, that's happening there, now. baby. It's Elon coming. Musk just lit a J and watched this and was <laughs> like, right. that's what Why I want to do. We have this. <laughs> and, and I'll then just put it all on, on my lawless Mars colony. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went on Twitter and accused someone of being a pedophile. And... <laughs> We we're, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on that lawless Mars colony. I, I want to be there. We we ruined it down here. Let's try up there. <laughs> so Jack and Karen go on a different call. This one's at a construction site, and a stacking robot is going nuts, just tossing cement bags <laughs> off a high rise. Which is probably this my is favorite the... malfunction robot. <laughs> yeah, just I, constantly I, throwing bags of cement. I died laughing at this, and I think it was more. <laughs> I was laughing more at the concept of that robot than probably what the laugh they were going for was everybody avoiding the bags. Yeah. It was more of a, you know, physical comedy moment, but just the idea of all this ro- robot's job is to just stack things. And he's just decided that this is where everything stacks now. <laughs> this seems <laughs> like a good spot. There's a shot where uh, Tom Selleck, uh, Ramsey is afraid to go up because he's a bitch and <laughs> it's dropping a bag of cement. And he's just like standing in the same spot. Like, you know, the thing is dropping cement bags. It could go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, he moves slightly to the left. It lands and he just gets hit with just cement powder. I wonder if he meant to do that in the actual scene or he wasn't expecting it. Because it looked very genuine when it hits him. He's really like, oh shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not my mustache. He's very casual about these yeah. 40 pound, 50 pound bags of cement getting dropped right next to him. Yeah, I mean it would only flatten you into the uh, into the earth, but whatever. I'm too cool for school, man. <laughs> so Jack takes one look at the height and can't bring himself to go up the elevator. So Karen goes up by herself and manages to turn off the stacking robot in basically no time. We don't even go up with her. Right. Karen and Jack then head to the house of the murders as the team is collecting evidence. They watch back the footage from the door cam. They scroll through some mundane stuff until the guy that looks an awful lot like Gene Simmons pops up as a robot and repairman, but most of the message has been erased. This is the first moment when Gene Simmons says a line, and you just realize that he has zero emoting ability, either in voice or face. (laughs) And you're like, oh, I can't wait for this guy to have much longer scenes later. (laughs) Right. (laughs) When they actually trust him with full scenes. Yeah. There was also a message from a guy that worked with the father saying he was nervous about the new project. And then we cut to a lab where Gene Simmons, uh, we find out his name is Dr. Luther, is looking over some work and he's very happy. The other guy from the door cam, Harry, is there too. So Dr. Luther asks to have the chips and Harry gives it to him. But then Luther, Dr. Luther says that it isn't all the chips. And Harry says that he'll get them once he and Johnson get paid. So Dr. Luther gives him a briefcase and then disappears. Harry opens it up, and most of the money is just scraps of paper, and then a spider robot jumps out of the briefcase and stabs Harry in the neck and then explodes. Johnson sees it, and he he flees. Jack and Karen eventually track Johnson down to a city motel. Jack and Karen uh, talk to him, and they bring him in to, back to the station for his protection, but as he's about to get into the squad car, he sees Do- Dr. Luther and takes off running. A chase ensues as Jack tries to chase down Johnson. They manage to get into an alley as Dr. Luther follows. Dr. Luther shoots a high-tech bullet, and the chase picks back up. We get some great POV bullet camera work as the bullet hones in on Johnson. So bad. Yeah. It's Evil Dead-esque. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. Johnson gets shot in the back, and he's killed. Yeah, take that. Was that movie Want It with the curved bullet? <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Jack and Karen go to Vectatron, where Johnson worked to get some files on Johnson. 
while they're there, there's a runaway in the office, so the security guard asks for their help. They go to see it, and it looks like an office robot is keeping Kirstie Alley hostage in the office. Jack's only reaction to the whole situation is like, hey, she's pretty. <laughs> I guess it's someone that just really needs to... <laughs> A widower that really needs to get laid. <laughs> He's very thirsty. Yeah. So Jack tries to be real macho and goes to disarm the robot without proper padding, and the robot immediately shocks him, knocking him over a desk. Eventually, after many failed attempts, Jack distracts the robot enough to throw his jacket over it, and then he just bashes it with the desk chair. <laughs> I bashed it real good. <laughs> R.I.P. Hitchbot. <laughs> so then Jack tries to escort Kirstie Alley out of the building. When she resists, she winds up dropping a whole bunch of microchips on the desk. Then she immediately rats out Luther, saying that he told her to get them from the vault or he'd kill her, and she tells Jack that he's at the hotel. So they go to the hotel without letting the chief know. So they're, uh, the cops are there without any proper uh, authority. As we said, a cab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, most of them in this movie seem to be decent folk. But who sure. knows? Yeah. That's what you get when you have a loose cannon like Ramsey on the like Ramsey. case. Oh, yeah. Why, like, listen, you're, you're with robots, dude. Just stick to your lane. <laughs> All right? if, if a robot shows up, we'll call you. Yeah. Unless it's up at a high point, you know. You'd think that they would have more than just two people in that division, right? Because if one of them is up there, you're fucked. Yeah, I guess Marvin is the third, but he doesn't seem like he goes out on answers calls. Yeah, he's the he's a desk jockey. Yeah, that's probably what Ramsey should have done. You know, because yes. robots could go on in tall places, as we find out. Yeah, they can literally be anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like it solved the problem of his vertigo. No, yeah. it definitely did not. And yeah, and this scene coming up, it's probably the biggest example of gratuitous nudity that we've had in a while mm-hmm. on our movies. That's yeah. Cease Verrill. We get to see her topless in two movies. Lucky us. <laughs> so after scaring off the topless woman, Jack and Karen break up what looks to be some sort of shady business deal between Luther and some other criminals. And then with just a stare, Luther engages a robot that fills the room with smoke, takes another woman <laughs> as a hostage. He then shoots Karen and the gu- and then the guys he was doing the deal with, then tells Jack to drop the gun. Jack drops the gun and jumps out of the way before Luther could shoot him. Then Luther makes a break for it, shooting a few cops on his way up to the roof. He then jumps onto a helicopter and escapes, leaving his hostage behind. Eventually, the rest of the cops come in and turn it into a crime scene. Karen survived the gunshot, but only because the projectile that was fired didn't go off. It's some sort of explosive round, but could go off in any second. And then Jack urges the medic not to move her as it could set off the explosion. And then the police chief comes in and then we have your standard loose cannon speech. And then he also uses the word guinea, which I found offensive. (laughs) (laughs) I I yelled that out loud. Guinea? How dare he? (laughs) So they're about to bring a disarming robot to get the bullet out of Karen's arm. But Jack freaks out and tells them to get the robot out of there. He'll disarm it himself. So they clear out the room and it's just Jack and Karen. Jack operates on Karen, eventually pulls the bullet out of her arm, then tosses it over the bar and it explodes. This is a very long scene. Yeah. Not just Karen really wincing in pain and Jack trying to be calm. But yeah, this was this was the serious acting scene. Yeah. It kind of drags this movie down to a crawl at this moment. We're yeah. just like, this probably could have been like a minute, maybe. And another sort of future technology is the X-ray machine being mobile enough to allow him to remove the bullet yeah i mean it's supposed i guess it's supposed to be sort of a a bonding moment between the two i don't really i don't really feel that way i don't know if they do that a great job of that sort of personal connection in this in this scene 
Like maybe he could have been talking about his wife, something to keep her mind occupied where he starts to tell her more about his life and something like that. She really does most of the talking. Yeah. We could have learned a little bit more about Jack in the scene rather than just see her just cry out in pain for a good two minutes. So after it's done, he successfully disarms it. Jack invites her over to come over to his house for dinner. She refuses and leaves. And he goes home and has another conversation with his son. But then he's immediately called back to the precinct. A smart man that couldn't read the signs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're male or female. You're my partner. Come over for dinner. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Swing and a miss. (laughs) So Marvin, back at the precinct, is looking over the bullet and tells him that it's basically a bullet with your name on it. It's kind of got honing capabilities and it uses heat maps specific to the body it's seeking. So the chief pulls up the file on Luther and he's done a few stints for armed robbery. And the chief sends Jack to talk with a psychic. Comes out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> the movie lost me here. Yeah. Okay, we're, I'm going to have you talk to one of my psychics. Okay, I'm gone. <laughs> you lost me, movie. So Jack Where does it talk- come from? Jack goes to talk to the psychic. She tells him that he will meet Luther sooner or later because Jack has what he wants. So then Jack goes back to the main bullpen and Karen shows up, talks to Marvin, and he says that the chips that, uh, that they have that they got off of Kirstie Alley were mass produced which means more can be made using those templates. He then gets a call from Luther, and he has tapped into the closed-circuit TVs and can see Ramsey and everything he's doing. He tells Ramsey that he wants his girlfriend. So Jack goes into the interrogation room where they're holding Jackie, which is Kirstie Alley, and she gives Jack shit for not catching Luther. She's very angry in this scene. (laughs) And she says she doesn't know why he wants her, and Jack says they need to move her to keep her safe. So then they go into a room and they scan everybody for bugs. Karen goes in first and she's clean. Jack goes in next and he's clean. Then Jackie goes in and they find like seven bugs on her. She's got one in her blouse, one in her bra, one in her heels. So they eventually they get all the, the bugs and they put her in a squad car and head to a safe location. Jack rides in the back with Jackie and a robot driver. And Karen rides in another car. I like the scene in the in the, the parking lot where the other cop shows up. And for <laughs> yeah. some reason he's just getting really friendly. Yeah, like don't touch the car. Yeah, don't touch the car. Hey, it's just your. It's me, your friend Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Who says that? Who, right? Do I ever come up to you guys like, hey guys, it's it's your friend Dan. Just... <laughs> Only if you haven't been introduced in the movie quite yet, you have to announce yourself. <laughs> right. Like, you know what? me. It's your old buddy. Why? Why? Who are you talking to, Dan? <laughs> oh, you know the people. <laughs> <laughs> so as they drive, Luther's goons send some robots after them. Karen manages to shoot them with a laser that she has attached to her car. Eventually, there's too many, and they have to bail out into Karen's car while moving. But the robots keep following them, and it turns out that they're keyed on to a bug that is in Jackie's handbag. So she takes out the chip templates, and then they throw the purse out the window, which then the the robots go and explode on the side of the road. They have like a million of those things, by the way. Yeah. The trackers. Jesus, I know they're small, but did they really come with ten of these things just in case? (laughs) Just threw them, threw them at her one day. <laughs> but that, that's like, I guess I give them credit for being overprepared. One of the goons was like, all right, well, let's bring like three. Like, no, listen, they might have a, a laser beam on the top of their car. Let's bring 10 just in case. Yeah. I mean, she's got a whole lot of bugs on her, too. They just have like, they must have a pretty nice budget for being goons. Yeah. <laughs> well, they have mafia connections, I guess. Right. Or they yeah. are the mafia. So, yeah, so I they guess go- they, they have a lot of money. Yeah. So they go to a public place and arrange a meeting with Luther. It's a sushi restaurant and they try to 
but Luther gets the upper hand and manages to take Karen as a hostage. So they arrange a switch, Karen for Jackie. Jackie leaves behind some templates with Jack, and the switch is made. When Jackie gets to Luther, he stabs her in the middle of a restaurant and then tosses her dead body into some sort of koi pond almost immediately. <laughs> that was actually the scene pretty Mark cool was talking about scene. now. And then Gene Simmons shows us that he has probably never had to do an athletic thing in his life. <laughs> probably not. Just getting laid constantly. I, I think that's probably the most of his athletic ability. He's probably just on the bottom all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, again, just doing the least amount of work possible. <laughs> I've seen Kiss in concert. He basically just either stands still or walks maybe like two to three feet in the left or right direction. That's that's it. I, I mean, I get it. It's tough to walk in heels, but... <laughs> <laughs> He shoots two honing bullets at Jack and then jumps down a fountain and escapes. Back at the precinct, Jack tells the chief that he planted a bug on Luther. Karen gets a signal from the bug, and it turns out it's coming from a hospital. So they go and track down the signal, and it turns out that Luther dumped it in the bathroom and that he's gone. While the cops do clean up on the bug and the rest of the scene, a spider robot attacks one of the cops and it blows up. Meanwhile, Luther sneaks into the precinct and uses a fake eye with Jack's retinal data to get his home address. Then Jack arrives with Karen back at the precinct, and Karen sees that Jack's profile has been accessed, and specifically, his son's Bobby's info is still on screen. You, so they, you would think that Jack's partner would have seen that computer up in the time from them coming from the restaurant to the precinct, right? She's the one that tells them, though, I think. No, the, the guy in the office. Oh, Marvin. yes, yes. Well, yeah. You yeah, would think. I, he was on lunch break, man. Give him a break. Yeah, he, was, <laughs> he was just so casual. Hey, he goes back. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> good to see you. I'm going home. You would think that any of those cops would be like, hey, I've never met you before. Right, that, that's what I was thinking. Like, how, like, I get it, you know, this guy's supposed to be a genius, but do cops just normally let random people off the street walk into the precinct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just in New York. Uniform on. It, but he, 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 I think he's it, just a regular looking guy. Right. Yeah, 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 the cop. Oh, okay. But they yeah. would still know who they their people are it's hitman it, logic it doesn't it doesn't fit his mo like if he like hacked the police system that would have yeah. been something you know yes but he just he relies on people not taking a look at him and being like hey i've never met that guy before especially I, like the police chief just walking by is like i don't know i don't recognize that that guy i think they had just looked at his lineup picture or his mugshot yeah right in a couple scenes prior yeah so it should be fresh i mean this guy's wanted for killing two cops. Yeah, it's pretty brazen to walk into the precinct. And it's just not any mugshot. It's an animated mugshot. That's right. It's it's a GIF. It's a GIF, yeah. Yep, so they GIF. predicted GIFs. Yep, they predicted GIFs. Or GIFs, <laughs> however you want to say it. <laughs> I was going to go with GIF, but I thought you guys would correct me. But apparently well, you're, not. You're half right. Okay. <laughs> Corrected you, but just the other way around. That's fine. I'll take it. <laughs> So Jack and Karen go back to Jack's house and find it broken into and Lois has been broken. She tells Jack that the man forced Bobby to leave with him. And while they run a diagnostics check on Lois, Luther calls and tells Jack to bring the templates with him to get Bobby back. So Jack goes and Karen stays behind and Lois's diagnostics test finish. And Karen finds out that from Lois's recording that Jack is going to the construction site because Lois was recording the phone call both ends of it. So now she knows where Jack is going, but he told her not to come with her. So then at the construction site, Luther tells Jack to go all the way up the elevator. At the top, Jack faces off with Luther. Luther lets Bobby go, and Jack tells Bobby to go down the elevator. Luther yeah. tells Jack that the robots have been programmed to kill the first thing that comes off the elevator. Dun, Bobby dun, tries, dun. but can't stop it from ha- from going yeah. descending. What a yeah, weird when- thing to program a robot to do. Yeah. 
And I don't know if you guys noticed, but I didn't notice it in the original construction scene, but there's a button on the elevator that says human speed. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so is it human and robot speed? No, no, it's just one. It's human speed, then up, stop, and down were the only buttons on the What about on the ludicrous elevator. speed? Did it, it didn't have ludicrous <laughs> speed on there? No, no. I'm assuming if you don't hit human speed, it goes really fast. <laughs> just flies uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and it was like a, it's one of those things where it says human speed and have a little draw, like a stick figure drawing of a human. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't notice that. That's great. You know, in case that the robots couldn't read. So as the elevator gets to the bottom, Karen shows up out of nowhere and helps Bobby climb up and out of the elevator and then sends it back up to the top. Luther starts shooting his honing bullets at Jack, but it misses. For honing bullets, they all, they miss an awful lot. Yeah, they're not yeah, perfect I, yet. I think it's once they found out they were heat signatures, every time one gets shot at him, he dives near something that's hot, like the sparks or the candles or whatever. Well, he used I don't a know table was... to stop one of them in the, uh, yeah. the, the dinner scene. Yeah, the, but the, uh, yeah, the table had candles on. I don't know if they were... <laughs> I don't know. That. Is that what it was, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> a little candlelight? No, no, I'm just saying. Mark is adding his notes script. (laughs) I I was going to say, I wonder if that's what they were going for, because it seemed like once they found out that information, you know, every time he tried to avoid a bullet, it was near some kind of thing that gives off heat. I think you're you're giving this movie too much credit. That's why we love Mark. He he (laughs) likes to give the movies credit. And we damn it, Michael Creighton is a smart man. (laughs) Don't you hate on him? Yeah, I don't think the heat thing ever comes up really. Like if they had a scene where like like have wear this vest where it will cloak your heat signal, that would have made a lot. That would have shown that they were trying. You yeah, they have the electromagnetic suit. Don't you think they would have like a a heat uh, a heat dampening suit or something? I don't right. know. The only reason why I disagree with you, Mark, is because in the scene with Johnson, when the bullets are chasing Johnson, it passes by Selick's heat signal. Okay. So it's specific to your heat signal. It's not going to just find any heat, hit it. It's going to find your specific profile, basically, I guess. (laughs) I guess. So so it's more like serpentining in a shooter, you know, just hoping it hits something instead of you on the way Mm -hmm. to you. Yeah, basically, I guess. I mean, I guess it's early technology of these honing bullets because the cops haven't seen them before, really. So. Yeah, I think one of the one of the cops says that it's a, a bullet like specifically for you because it shows the two heat signatures, right? Yeah, that's what and I'm saying. And it's specific to whatever heat profile it's looking for. But. Yeah, that's pretty wild. But it's very it's very mixed results. It, they haven't worked out all the kinks. Exactly. So Jack opens up a bunch of steam valves to use as cover, and then jumps onto the elevator and rides it all the way to the top. So at the top, Jack's vertigo becomes crippling. Meanwhile, the elevator has malfunctioned and won't go back down. So then, just then, a bunch of spider robots show up on the elevator, and they try and sting him with needles and spray him in the face with acid. He winds up having to climb up on the outside of the elevator to get away from them and manages to knock a couple off. But then one stings him in the hand, and he nearly falls, but he catches himself at the last second. While hanging, he electrocutes the final robot with a live wire, then resets the elevator, sending it down at top speed as he hangs below it. And then climbs back into the elevator as it descends, arrives back at where Luther is, and as Luther towers over Jack, who's laying on the floor of the elevator, Jack hits the button to the elevator, sending it careening down, knocking Luther off balance, and then Jack hits the stop button, and Luther falls out of the elevator onto his back on the ground, 
and a bunch of spider robots surround him and then sting him to death. And Karen hits the button and Karen and Bobby retrieve Jack and they all go down to the ground level together. Karen takes Bobby back to the car as Jack checks on Luther with one final gasp. Luther tries and fails to attack Jack and then he finally dies. Then Karen invites herself over for dinner and they kiss and Jack picks her nose for her and then they kiss again. (laughs) The entire ending with the credits and all is them just making out while sparks go off in the background. It's a solid three minutes of them making out, and it's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not natural. No one does that. Right. <laughs> like, you just had a, a near-death experience. I saved my son. He's probably like in the corner watching me just hook up with this chick. It lingers on them for entirely too long. Right. It should have faded to black after like a few seconds. <laughs> my point was being the nose thing. It's like, it, it made me, I laughed thinking about how many times Tom Selleck has probably actually used that move in his life to be like the sweet moment with somebody, you know, he's kissing. So we're like, Ooh, and now you I'm going to touch your nose. nose a lot? No, just the way it was like, you know, let me touch your nose. Boop, boop. You know, <laughs> he boops you, know, sort of, you think he, he boops, boops people? people? Yeah. He boops their snoots. Is that <laughs> what you're saying? If he does, yeah, that's, yeah, that, I that's wouldn't something expect he brought that from, from his, That's something he brought from his real life. <laughs> I do this all snoot. the time with my wife. This is going to be cool for this movie. And every chick that I get with. I, I automatically, I let them, that's how they know it's about to go down. I boop them. Get ready, <laughs> woman. Snoots. Yep, yeah. it's about to go down. And that's the end of the runaway. It's fun. I didn't yes. hate it. Yeah. It's like a even more low budget Carpenter movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it has like a little bit of Cronenberg in it. Yeah. It's I feel fun. like it could take place in the same universe as like Escape from New York. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And it, I can definitely see how this would be a rental store favorite because I'm sure the box art looked amazing and just the, you know, idea of the time of sci-fi and future tech was huge. I could see people just going in and going, oh, yeah, I'll take this for the night. Yeah, I got nothing to do on a Friday night. Let me check this movie out. I wonder how many people this movie disappointed when they brought it home or how many people loved it. Maybe it was the yeah. complete opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I mean, I didn't have huge expectations for it, but I had a great time with it. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely a fun watch. Would you guys do anything to make it better? Oh, well, you know, that's a good I didn't think about it too much this week. Anything to make it better. Does anyone have anything that they, because I'm kind of drawing a blank. Yeah, well, the the most obvious thing is to get a better villain than Gene Simmons in this. Not not so much that it needs to be top notch, just somebody that at least emotes a little bit in any of his close-ups. Just like a mediocre actor. (laughs) Like Like, we don't need like, like an Academy Award winning performance. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. Just a, just a slightly better villain in terms of when he's given his speeches and his monologues would probably be the only thing I would use to improve this movie. You know, there's the obvious stuff that with a bigger budget and CGI and all that, you could do more stuff with certain things. But I think that loses a little bit of the charm of it. Yeah. The easiest thing is just just give me even if it's some person that's just done like college drama school probably would be a lot better than gene simmons in this so, movie. so the, there is a low bar for you to yeah. replace gene simmons yeah yeah he's he's okay. almost at kevin durant level in this movie. wow i i really didn't hate him in this yeah i thought he was campy but i didn't hate him i wouldn't say he was great but yeah for for what him. he was supposed to do i thought he was okay yeah he chose the scenery he doesn't steal anything from tom Selleck, really yeah he's just He's an uninteresting bad guy overall. Very vanilla, but he's just wacky. Because that's Gene yeah. Simmons. He's a wacky dude. <laughs> All right. I guess that's going to wrap it up. You guys want to plug your shit? 
Yes. Absolutely. So, Mark, you start, go first. Yep. We'll start out with our podcast, Stranger Damies, which is our D&D focused one. It airs every Wednesday. So be sure to check that out. We have a regular campaign, but we also had to split up for the past couple weeks of our Halloween one shot, which Anthony DMs and leads. So be sure to check that out. That one does not require you to go check out the other hundred and so episodes. So it might be a, a good little quick listen to just kind of get the vibe of how what our show is before diving into the back catalog. So you can search for it, Stranger Damies, anywhere you get podcasts. And it's at Stranger Damies on Instagram and Twitter. We love fan art, any kind of discussion or questions about why things happened or so. We would appreciate you sending it our way. We have our gaming podcast, which is the Game Vault podcast. That airs every other Monday. So just keep an eye on the Twitter, which is at Game Vault Pod, along with the Instagram, to just see which Monday it is or if we've had an episode this week or not. Going every other week, the Twitter feed is the number one spot to find out all that stuff. And then we have our streams on uh, Game Vault Pod. Go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or Saturday, and then Sundays and Mondays are not as set in stone, but will pop up you know, either every week or every other week, uh, depending on when it comes up. Uh, but the, um, yeah, the most important thing is that we have uh, Extra Life coming up. So it'll be this Saturday, uh, November 7th, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with a session of Stranger Damies. And then we'll be playing video games for 24 hours after that to benefit the uh, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So just be sure to tune in. It's twitch.tv slash Pod. You can donate by going to our link, which is tinyurl.com slash extra life, the number five. And there you can donate anytime between when you're hearing this to the end of the year. So as long as it's before December 31st, 2020, you can donate any amount you want and, and you can do it multiple times or whatever. There's no limit or anything. But if you are able to, I'd recommend doing it for November 7th because we'll have some categories and things like that and goals and stretch goals on that day that you can bid towards and you can split your bid up to help reach those goals and things like that. I say bid, I'm sorry, donation to head towards things. And then we will shout you out, you know, whatever you donate, whenever you donate. If you can't donate, completely understand. It's been a rough year. Just make sure if you're able to at least join us in the chat, keep us sane, suggestions, interact with whatever game we're playing at that time. But if you can't join us, at least we retweet one of the uh, tweets from our, our social medias um, about it, just to signal boost a little bit. So once again, the particulars, Saturday, November 7th, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it's tinyurl.com slash extra light, the number five. If you're listening to this after the 7th, there will be probably an archive either on the Twitch or the YouTube for anything you may have missed, highlights and things from the stream, which would be great. But remember, if you listen to this before December 31st, 2020, you can still donate and we hope to see you there okay great dan what do you got not much just my twitter is at diaquino122 follow me there uh at stranger damies on instagram and twitter and that's it okay and this is they call this a movie you can find us at they call this a movie.podbean.com on wherever you get your podcast just by searching they call this a movie we're part of the main damie network you can find us on all socials at the main damie so that's facebook instagram twitter at the main damie as well as the main which is our main website we are also a proud member of geek vibes nation you can find them at gvnation.com and on all socials and all podcast streaming apps just by searching geek vibes nation bunch of great shows besides ours top 10 with tia geek vibes live got in the sacred cow seen a nerd if 
there's something that interests you that is geek related, you could surely find a show that fits your interests. And that's going to wrap it up. I am Anthony Delvecchio, and you can find me at Ant Delvec on Twitter. And the director of Runaway was Michael Crichton. So for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Delvecchio telling Michael Crichton, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.